thank you for reminding us who we are. Lord, I pray that you would continue to guide us, direct us. Thank you for your love for us. I pray that as we look to your word, that you would encourage our hearts today. Thank you for the many things that we learn from your hand. I pray that we would embrace them, that we'd make them part of our every day. In Jesus' name, amen. I finally uh, thought of a good use for the front row of every church. I'm going to use it as an illustration today. Since nobody sits up here, I knew these chairs would be useful. We're going to talk about a lot of things. There's, it's been a couple of weeks, you guys, unfortunately. I've been gone, been to uh, our national conference and, and uh, the Karis Fellowship. And so uh, I wanted to share some of those things with you. I wanted to take an opportunity to, to do that. But any time that, that your pastor goes away for a period of time and has time to think, it may not be good for his first sermon back. <laughs> got, a, got a lot of things on my heart and in my mind. And uh, the first thing is, is simple, that we're a part of something bigger, that, uh, that we get to be a part of something bigger, that uh, many of you know that we are part of <laughs> a group. <laughs> Thank you, Tlaib. They're trying to fit it into the overflow uh, so that people can see what I'm doing. So... Um, I have an opportunity every year, as you know, to travel to our national conference. And it's something that I take seriously. It's something that you guys allow me to do. And it's something that I thoroughly enjoy because I get to be a part of the the family, right? That's what the the shirts were this year. And it kind of reminded me that, that maybe I've not always done a really good job of connecting you guys even to your extended family that there are 270 churches or so across the United States and Canada that, that share the name Karis. It's the Karis Fellowship. It's a new name as of a couple of years ago. We were the Grace Brethren Fellowship as I grew up in, and, and we changed it to be a little bit more uh, expletive because for us, if I'm going to explain part of our heritage, I want to focus on the word charis. And you're thinking, I don't know what the word charis means. Grace. That's it. If I'm going to spend time explaining something to somebody, I want it to be grace. That's what we're about. The opportunity that Jesus affords to us to be saved through faith, right? By grace. It's all been given to us. And that's the, that is the foundational piece that we've got to understand. And, and you have a family across the country this morning that, that are worshiping under the same name. They're all preaching out of the same book because three things that we do together is biblical truth, biblical relationships, and biblical mission. Yes, the Bible is that important to us that it's in everything we do because it's the Word of God. It's what should guide us. If we're looking for truth, we want to go to the Bible. If we're looking for how our relationships should function, we want to go to the Bible. If we're looking to what we should be doing on a daily basis and find our mission, then we should go to the Bible and see what God had to say about it. And that's why we use the Bible every week. 
because it's that important, that it's the foundation, the bedrock of, of explaining grace to a world that needs it, right? So I'm going to steal a lot of this stuff, that the, the three chairs and some of the, the Greco-Roman stuff. You guys are so tired of history right now, I know. But the speaker that, that finished our conference is the, the incoming executive director, a friend of mine from California named Phil Sparling. And he shared something to me that was, that was so simple and yet so profound about the word grace and about how it was used even in that Greco-Roman culture that, that I wanted to share it with you guys to help understand that you're part of a family that takes this seriously. It's a part of, part of who I am since I was born. I was born into a grace brother in church in Everett. It's where my mom went to church. And so I know nothing else. Does that make sense? I've never been in a church that didn't preach from the Word. As a matter of fact, when I was growing up, just so you know, this is what it could be like. Exegetical preaching is verse by verse, line by line, through just the Word of God. And that's what I grew up with. Coming in, and and we would spend two years in the book of Romans. Okay? And just go verse by verse and learn what the Word of God says. It's important, folks. We're going to study the book of Galatians this fall. Now, we're, only going to, we're not going to take two years, but we're going to spend at least seven weeks and just look at that little book and see what it has to say to us. So Phil brought out this idea that was in Greco-Roman culture that was pretty amazing to me, the three graces so the three charises, the three graces were, were these women that were represented inside of the Greek, the Greek and Roman philosophy. So these three women represented three different pieces of grace, what it would take for you to express grace in their society. And the first one, and we're going to use the chairs to illustrate, would be the benefactor. This is the person that maybe has what is needed. And the reason I say that is because it's not necessarily that, that it is money, that it's not necessarily always time, it's not treasure, it's not gifts, it's not those but what is needed for the moment. And the middle chair is what they call the mediator, the person that then knows the benefactor and also knows the client. So there is a benefactor, a mediator, and a client. There are three graces to help this thing function. In the first chair is the person that has what is needed. The middle chair is the person that knows both the person that has the need and the person with the means. And then the client is the person in need in that particular situation. The three graces. If you look it up, you'll see a lot of Greco-Roman statues that I didn't think were appropriate for viewing this morning. So I didn't use one, all right? So... There are three graces, the three women, and typically they're all facing in a different direction because the idea was that there was a need, but, but the benefactor may not even know who the person was that needed it. So they all faced in different directions because they were all about grace, but it, it was not about themselves. It was about meeting needs. It was about figuring out what people need and what people have and meshing the two. 
This was a a thing that came out of Greco-Roman philosophy. And in the book of John, we're going to look at how John used it then to speak into the culture that he was finding. So this was something that was philosophically already embedded in their society. And John shows up and he's talking about his position. And so John, in chapter 1, we we look at this stuff a lot and we know that it's all about pointing to Jesus. But but think about the Greco-Roman audience, right? That John was actually speaking to as he shared with them that they had a need... And Jesus was coming. So think about John chapter 1 in light of what you know about someone who's in need and there's a mediator and there's a benefactor. God the Father was sending Jesus. He had what was offered, what was needed. John knew it was coming and they needed to know that they needed it. Sometimes that's the hardest part, recognizing your own need, right? John chapter 1 says this, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. And he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The whole idea that John is trying to express fit right into their already established nomenclature, the way that they expressed three graces. The cool thing to me is that I don't, I don't ever think it was by mistake. And so when I understand the three graces in my mind right away and what Phil pointed out, and this piece was just awesome for me, God prepared the Roman and Greco-Roman societies with a philosophical underpinning that John could then use to help explain what was going on. It was already part of their culture, and John just said, you know what, you already know, God has already perfected. There's this guy named John, right? And he's going to be a mediator. He's going to sit in this chair, and he's going to point back to what God the Father is already doing through Jesus. And you have need of it. Grace upon grace upon grace, right? That that we would understand that. That we'd be able to take it and make it part of our DNA, right? 
That we would understand that because what we talk about, right, is Romans chapter 11, that everything is from Him and through Him and to Him, right? That everything we have as a benefactor, (laughs) we should know somebody that knows somebody, right? That everything we have fits in what God is already doing in our world. We don't even have to look that hard, do we? We look around ourselves and we know the way in which to change the world is to start with those closest to us that are hurting, that are in need. To share with them the hope that Jesus brings. John makes it very clear, right? He says, I am not the light. (laughs) And this is, okay. So John, the author, is not John the Baptist. Okay, just to clarify, there's two Johns and three Graces. Okay, (laughs) I know that's really clear now. John the Baptist was the one saying these things that that I am just a witness of the light to come. I am not myself able to save you, but the benefactor already has you in mind. And he has exactly what you need. And he tells them this inside of their own culture and gives them exactly the same articulation that they would understand. And God put all that together before the foundations of the world because the Logos being Jesus was there and through Him everything was made and not everything, nothing was made without Him, right? And so as He became real and in the flesh for them to see, this plan was already in place for Him to be plugged right in. God had done that from the beginning of the world to help introduce Jesus to a culture that wouldn't have any other frame of construct for Him. But they already understood what it took to make grace work. They articulated in a way that that was easy for John to take and use. The next passage... As we follow, Jesus becomes flesh, right? The Word, the Logos, that explanation was also another thing they would have understood, that, that information, Logos, was the explanation of what was happening. And so the Word became flesh. The explanation, the actual text, the Word of God in flesh was Jesus. He became flesh and He made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him and He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. Now get all that, okay? It's, it's kind of a loaded sentence. He who comes after me, meaning Jesus is still yet coming. He's going to baptize Jesus. Jesus is going to be more important than me. He's going to surpass me because He was before me. He was there when the world was created. And John understood firmly where he sat. Right? That's what makes John's message so special. He understood his need and recognized that the benefactor had what he needed and what other people needed as well. And he was able to to unite the two. 
The beautiful thing for us, as we think of this in context of our family and the fact that we bear the name Karis, that we are Grace Fellowship. That's, that's what we want to tell the world. I want to give you some language, right? To be able to articulate to people what we're about, that, that this Karis, this Grace Fellowship, yes, we're about extending grace and, and we do it through biblical truth, biblical relationship, biblical mission. Those things are important, but I want you to be able to help them understand grace. In your everyday life, when you come across it, I want to give you this visual and figure out what chair am I in in this relationship? Because I've been in all three at times, right? Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I don't have needs. That's not how it works. You have sat in all three of these chairs at different points in your life, right? It's a beautiful picture (laughs) to think about when you recognize the person sitting next to you has a need and you know who can meet that need. Or someone comes to you and says, I don't know how to help this person. You go, I do, (laughs) right? No matter how simple it might be. But you get to sit then in that benefactor chair and say, I want to help. Here's how I can help. And the mediator goes and meets the need because you helped. We all find ourselves in these different chairs at different points. The beauty of the simplicity of grace is that God the Father, as the benefactor to all of His creation, understood our need, right? So the benefactor sends the greatest mediator of all time, Jesus. And that's what grace looks like. That we who had a need found it as a result of God's grace. The idea of what we stand for couldn't be any simpler in my mind. (laughs) The vertical relationship that is established from benefactor to us who have need is just an example then of that horizontal relationship that we're talking about between John and the people of the Roman world and Jesus, right? That God knew exactly what the Roman world needed and sent John and he articulated it to their need. So it has power in the fact that it's this vertical relationship that all of us need to understand and be okay with. That God the Father is the greatest benefactor of all time. Jesus is the mediator that beats all mediators, right? He meets every need that we have. And we understand that personally speaking. And sometimes we are used in the process. That we get to help in our horizontal relationships to meet needs. Sometimes we know Jesus, right? So the benefactor for their hope and their eternity is found in Jesus through God. We get to help them understand their need and bring them into eternal security. That's the most profound impact that we can have in somebody's life. 
that we can change the view of, of their reality today based on the hope that they have in eternity. That's the most profound thing we can do, but I'll tell you how simple it looked for me and why I felt so impressed to share it this morning. It was a cooler. A little blue ice chest. We were staying for a few days after conference to go to a national park, and we were going to go buy an ice chest because we wanted to take food with us into the park and not have to buy all the food that we needed and those kind of things. We wanted to just take some sandwiches. And somebody overheard our need at conference and said, Hey, Nathan Wells and his family went before conference and they have a cooler. And so Nathan Wells gave us their cooler. They had bought it. They couldn't take it home on the plane either. They were, they were flying out and they, they were looking for somebody that needed a cooler. It was that simple. We could then in turn add grace to grace because we were going to fly out in a few days. We started looking for a way to give the cooler away. Came down to our last morning and we're in Oakland. And if you've never been to Oakland, you need to pray for Oakland because it's a messed up city. Not just because they're Raiders fans. <laughs> they got a lot of issues. There was an entire homeless community outside of the, the place we stopped for breakfast in the morning. And so I saw a policeman. We were trying to figure out what to do with this cooler. I knew that I needed to do that, but I also didn't want to incite anything because that can get hostile when someone gets something and the group doesn't. Okay? So I had a cooler. I talked to my new friend, the Oakland PD. Intentionally, I wasn't, he didn't come after me. <laughs> I had a cooler. I saw him. I said, hey, is there, is there somebody that you can think of that would be best to give the cooler to? And he said, I know the woman you need to go see. She lives right around the corner. And we were able to drive over there and just drop off a cooler full of food. And as soon as we sat it down, she's on a blanket and, and her face lights up. And she says basically one word, thanks. And then she starts yelling to the other people down the road to come and look at the cooler. And as we're driving away, she's already eating a snack bar. you know. And I'm like, that, that's grace upon grace. That's what it is. It can be that simple, guys. When you understand why you were created, that we get to be a part of this thing every day. That every morning we wake up, it's new and it's fresh, and we've been given something that day. We've been given a seat somewhere. And sometimes it's over here where we have a need. We wake up and our heart is heavy. One of the most difficult things is to let somebody know that, right? Not to sit in it and stew in it and think how sorry you are for yourself. And I'm being blunt, I know, but needs that are not revealed are very difficult to meet.
Let somebody who cares about you know. Because you never know who they might know. (laughs) And if nothing else, I pray that this person knows Jesus and can at least pray to God. Right? Because He's always in this chair. No matter where you find yourself sitting on a daily basis, utilize it. Be aware of it. That we're a part of something bigger. That, that I, I hope and I pray that, that the men that I was with this past weekend got this same message and understood it and, and are able to take it back. And, and now there's 270 churches full of people hearing some of this stuff. And, and maybe, Lord willing, because we have thousands of churches around the, the world as well in Africa, in the Philippines, in Cambodia, all over the place. And I pray that they are all on the same team and in the same family. And that we are praying for them and remembering them and that we're all doing it because we all get to take a seat every day and figure out how God wants to use us today. What does it look like? To every day think about that. To understand just like John did. Man, John knew, I'm just the messenger. I'm the one that gets to tell you about Jesus. Remember, John was beheaded for that. Okay? He didn't make any friends by doing that. but he did it because he knew his position and he was secure in who he was and why he was doing it. He took his place and he did it. Every day we have that opportunity. And that's part of the reason why from him and through him and to him just sticks with me. Because it's a simple thing to, to, to know that every benefactor, everything we have is from him, every mediator is working through him, and in the end we get to bring glory to him. That's it. That's what we do. That's part of the Caris Fellowship. It's part of Liberty Grace. Whatever you want to, wherever you want to put that. I don't care where you where you put it. <laughs> Just keep it, because that's what I want us to be about. We're much more effective together than we are trying to do it alone. So I would pray for you this week and I pray that you think about it this week every day that when you get up, where, where am I today? How can I fit into what God is doing today? What chair has He given me? Where, what conversation do I find myself in and, and how can I play that role to the best of His glory? Father, thank You for Your Word. Father, thank You for the opportunity to to see things in the ancient world that that you were orchestrating well before us. That you had implanted things in that culture that help us to communicate you. Father, thank you so much, first of all, for grace. That it's through that grace that we enter into your presence. So thankful for the benefactor God the Father and for the mediator Jesus fulfilling their roles to meet our needs. Lord, I pray that we would remember that every morning.
know we are loved and we are cared for. That we have a purpose and there is a plan.